chapter 1. Y'all got that? Genesis chapter 13, Hebrews 11, 1 Peter chapter 1. Put you some marks there. I'm going to kind of move quick this morning. Kind of changing up on my preaching, so if it doesn't go too well for you, I guess you can do your own Bible study, all right? Uh, I'm not going to look at notes so much as I'm just wanting to uh, share some stuff with you today that I've studied through the week, and and uh, hopefully you can glean something off of it. I would rather stand up here and, and just give you some things that I've studied and for you to, to go home and spend time in God's Word and you dig and get the stuff out of it that God wants you to hear rather than me stand up here and try to give some eloquent message with three points in a poem that you forget by the time you eat. So, are y'all awake this morning? Alright. <clears throat> I like change. Change is good, especially when it's needed. And I think we are in a place where we, we as a whole need change. Everybody nervous? Man, y'all just real quiet this morning. Let me share a story with you real quick before I get started. And uh, if I run over on time today and you need to filter out, y'all can filter out too. Um, so that's where I'm at. That way I have the freedom to slow down. We were working in Paris this week, Texas, <clears throat> uh, putting a metal roof on. And um, we kind of got in a situation where because of a, a crunch on our time schedule that we had worked, we've been working really long days and stuff. Anyhow, uh, we got this young kid that's working with us. I say kid, he's, you know, 20, 21, somewhere around there. And just started working about, he's been working with me about three weeks now, maybe four weeks. When he started working with me, I talked to him about the Lord and he was, he just kind of seemed to be teeter tottering, you know, faith, no faith. And he, he's made some comments. His exact answer to me was, I think if I died, I'd go to hell. I said, okay, I just, you know, I want to know how to pray for you and, and talk to you. I said, I just want you to know I'm not trying to push nothing on you, but I'm going to talk about Jesus. That's what we do. Uh, if you don't like that, get another job. And uh, anyhow, so we, he's really been it's awesome because he's been open to it. And he actually has been talking. We had some Bible studies in the evening times. So he's like, man, I'm excited about the Bible study. And I was like, all right. So anyhow... Through praying and stuff, just I just want to show you how how awesome God is. So we're working Thursday, and uh, it, it's no no rain in sight, and we pull a big portion of this roof off. It's a ten thousand square foot roof, and we pull a big portion off and take a gamble with that. And we're putting metal back on, and all of a sudden in the distance I hear thunder, and I thought, Lord, you know I don't need no rain right now. I got an open roof, and uh, and it thunders again. It's moving. It's getting cloudy, and and we're looking at the clouds, and all of a sudden, lightning pops in the disc a couple times. So I told him, I said, just come off the roof. And Jeremy said, no, Dad, we need to get this covered. We got to get it covered. I said, I'm not going to risk somebody's life. Come off the roof. If it floods the building, I'll just eat it, and I'll fix it. And uh, so they come down, and, and I prayed. And honestly, I prayed and said, God, please, I don't need this. Um, will you please let this go around? You know, and I'm sorry. I'm just I'm overwhelmed by God today. But I asked God to let it go around and uh and anyhow everybody was kinda of looking. Little Randall was there with us this week and everybody was kinda of looking. I said, Let's just go grab something to eat real quick. It's late in the evening, we'll grab supper and then we'll come back. 
I said, it's going to go around. God's going to, God's going to let it go around. And so we got in the truck. We started down the road and, uh, maybe, what, maybe a mile or so down the road, the bottom fell out. I'm talking about flash flood. You couldn't even see with the windshield wipers. I'm looking at Jeremy. He's looking at me and he said, what do you think? And I said, I can't do nothing now. You know, it's whatever happens, happens. So we're driving. I'm praying, you know, Lord, please, God, let this go around. And we got, it's just harder and harder as we went. And Jeremy said, Dad, I think we ought to go get some tarps. I said, I, I think so too. So we ran to Atwoods and we got some tarps and we took off back to there and it was just flooding and flooding and, and, uh, the boy in the back, he was in the back seat. He's like, man, it's going, it's going to ruin this. And, uh, and I kept saying, I said, you know, I believe I'm God. I pray God would divide this storm and, uh, Anyhow, we were driving back and we got, and I started praying for him. I said, God, please somehow in this show him who you are. God, please show him who you are. And we got back, it's still raining. We got about a half a mile from camp and it started lighting up a little bit and we got to the driveway and it shut off. There was no rain and so we pulled in the driveway and the roof was totally dry. We got up and we started covering it up. We got tarps going on and then the bottom fell out. We got soaked, but the roof didn't get wet. And here, here's what was awesome was little Randall was standing there with his phone. I don't know where he's at this morning. You know how he was standing there with his phone. He said, man, y'all look at this. And he, he had a, a dot on his phone where the camp was and he pulled up the, the radar and, and there was this big green, uh, movement storm going towards us. And when it got to that dot, it just went and it, it just, it was, I was like, my gosh, and that, that boy, you know, he's got some Bible to him. He's like, man, that's like the part of the Red Sea. He said, boy, we are lucky. I said, no, no, we're not lucky. That was Jesus. I want you to see that was Lord. And what was awesome was he said, a little bit later, you tell his thinking, he's, he's an intelligent. He said, man, if a man can't have faith after that, something's wrong. I said, I guarantee you. And then, I just want to share that with you how awesome God is, that God is, not that he does that every time, but he did it then. And I want to give him glory for that, that he cares about everything in your life and he can do beyond all we can ask or imagine. And I wanted to to talk to you about this morning of um, taking what God has for you. You know, you have a decision in life. You can go do things your way and you can chase after the world. But as far as, as, far as I'm concerned, I'll, I'll take what God has for me. Last week we, we talked about Lot. We've been looking and going through Genesis and we talked about how Lot was a righteous man. He was, he was a, a believer, but he was, he was one who was very worldly minded. Uh, how that when Abraham gave him the choice, he picked the best land. He was in, in it for his self gain and self promotion. And, and here's the thing with Lot, and I'm not going to read for time's sake. He was very greedy, obviously. But he looked at the land that was put before him and he chose the very best for himself, for his own gain and his own greed. And, and when he did that, in order to have what the world offered him, because he was looking through his eyes of flesh, okay? Not looking to the Lord, but looking at what the world could offer. In order to gain what the world had to offer, Lot had to make a compromise. And he, the Bible says that he set his tent up towards Sodom. Most everybody here knows Sodom and Gomorrah is, is the cities in the Bible that God destroyed by fire and brimstone. 
Um, and, and, and there was a very godless, wicked, we'll go into that later, but very godless, wicked. They were an example, the Bible says in Second Peter, to all those who would live ungodly thereafter of God's wrath and judgment upon that type of living. But, but here's a, here's a, a Christian man, a believer in the, in the Lord who is moving his tent and he's compromising his life. He's, he wants what the world has, so he has to move. Understand that you, you can't have what the world offers without compromise. You you have to make a decision in life. Either you'll take what God has for you, or you'll take what what the world offers. And you can you can be like law. You can say, "Well, I'm a, I am a believer. You know, I am a believer, but but I desire these things." You're going to make compromises in order to get those things. You're going to move not only towards sin and godless people and godless living, but you're going to do just like law. We we as we read through here, and I'll say you can read it later in chapter 14. You see that there's a, the war of five kings, and there's some kings that go to war, and 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 that. Sodom and Gomorrah was a part of that war. Their kings were, and they lost in this battle. And it talks about those who were taken captive, that Lot was among those who were taken captive in this battle. And so not only did he start off looking at Sodom, then he moved towards Sodom, and now he's right up amongst them. And he gets what Sodom had coming. God, God is showing mercy here, giving him an opportunity to move his family out before ultimately judgment was going to come later. Lot didn't take the warning like most of us do. We have things happen in our lives. When we compromise, we move towards, you know, sin. We move towards worldliness. We, we make those compromises we think are not going to affect our walk or our family with the Lord. And the next thing you know, over a period of time, we're just right up amongst the world. Not a whole lot of difference between us. He, like I said last week, he even became a leader recognized leader there among those godless people and and even though later the lord delivered him it cost him a lot of his he sacrificed some of his family members his wife some some daughters and son-in-laws in that that he lost and so you have to make a decision each one of us have to make a decision either you want what the world has to offer and you will live your life going after and pursuing those things. And as a believer, if you do, it's, make no mistake, it's going to cost you. If you want to learn one thing, do not think that you will attach yourself to the things of this world and you will not be a part of what the world has coming. You will not escape the judgment upon the world. I'm not talking about the loss of your soul. But you will have great sacrifice and there will be a great cost that you will pay when you say, I want what the world is offering. And I want you to, I want to ask a question to you this morning. What does the world have to offer? I want to read my text real quick and then we'll get back to that question. Uh, chapter 13 and verse 14, they were separated, okay? And I talked about law. Verse 14 goes with Abram. He said, and now Lord, the Lord said to Abraham, <clears throat> after Lot separated from him, lift up or lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west, for all the land which you see I give to you. That's what grace is all about. God's given us. And your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length, its width, and I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent. 
And he went and he dwelt in the terebinth of the oak trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar there to the Lord. So here's God's promises. And he's, Abram's a picture of a person who is walking in the Spirit, like it talks about in the New Testament. He's following the leadership of God. He's hearing God speak to him. God's leading him. God's blessing him. God's giving to him. God's making promises to him. So he's, he's, he has a personal, that's what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not just get, gathering together at the church. Okay, it's about I know the Lord is leading me in my life. I know God's spirit resides in me that I've been born again through the blood of Jesus, through God's mercy and what he's done, that he's given me a new life, not a life that desires to chase after the world, but a desire that desires to follow Jesus and to have what he has for me and to live the life that God has willed for me to live and, and to see the goodness of God in my life. But that's a choice. And every person here has that choice. You can choose to totally reject the gift of God and, and, and salvation and eternal life. And you can go on about your way and God will allow you to. Don't say God's going to cast you into hell. You'll choose to go to hell if you go there, alright? Because God offers a gift of salvation to any and every person. And once you're saved, you also have the choice to go, I want to know God. I want to walk with God. I, I know that God's faithful and I, I judge God to be good and faithful and that His way is good and He has good for me. And I believe that God loves me. And I believe that God keeps his promises, okay? And so that causes me to seek after him and walk after him and, and, and come to a place where I'm looking for and listening to his voice and his direction in my life. And so in that, we have that choice. So back to my question. So what does the world have to offer? The world wants to make Christianity out to be some boring, church-going, sitting and listening to a, you know, a self-righteous preacher with a bunch of hypocrites, you know, and, and that if you really follow Jesus, all you're gonna do is suffer, you're gonna have nothing, you know, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna live in a, in a tent, you know, under a bridge somewhere, and that's the way the world pictures Christianity. That's not the way the Bible pictures Christianity at all. Okay, and when you look at Abram, you, you obviously see that Abram was was led by the Lord, and he followed after God. But he also had the good things that God gave him that didn't come with shame and guilt and burden and and overwhelm him. Whereas you know Lot took off after the world, and the next thing you know, he's a POW. He's led captive. He's captive now to his choices. There's people all over this crowd that that in your life you've looked at the world and you've looked at the offers of the world, whether it's money. And let's talk about this. What does the world have to offer? Money possessions, you know, things that are going to cause you to to uh, work more and work more and work more so that you have things that break and rust and fall apart and get stolen. you got to get insurance on and make money for that. And you got to call police, tell them that some, somebody broke in and stole your stuff. And, and you got to upkeep your stuff. And you got to paint. And you got to fix. And you got to caulk. And you got to build. And you got to change oil. And you got all these different things, okay, that just more you get, the more burden you've got. It doesn't set you free. It just brings you into captivity where like, you know, you started off when you were single and you didn't have anything. You're like, I'm free and I'm, I have life and I love it. And, and all of a sudden, the more stuff you have that the world's like putting on the circus show thinking, this is life. And if you have this stuff and you become like these people and you get this position and, and all these different things, you know, temporary expense. If you, if you want to, if you want to have life, you need to be like in the world paints a picture of these people on television and on advertisements. And maybe you see people that you look at and go, man, they really have life. You know, they got money and they get to go and blow and do and do whatever. And that's what I desire. Because here's the thing. What you desire is what you will start to chase after. 
And if you are desiring the things of the people that you see on television, it's a lie. And I'll tell you, as a pastor for 20 years, just because people have money and what they appear on the outside, 95% of them are absolutely empty and miserable. That's why they want more and more and more and more because they're, they're like, I've got, you know, I've got this amount of money and I'm still, I want more. I've got this amount of security and I've got to have more. And I've got this and I've still got to have more and more. You know why? Because they're looking for what it can't give. And yet we as God's people, look at those people and go, I want to be like them. And we start living like them and doing like them and betraying them and going after the same thing. You know what? We look at them and go, I'm not there. I'm not there. And that's what the world has to offer. And here's the thing. If all you ever seek is what the world has to offer, it's all you're ever going to have. And it's going to go up in smoke. And it's going to bring you misery and sorrow. It's going to bring, just like Lot, it's going to bring you into captivity where you lie. How did, anybody here can say, how did I ever end up here? This is not what I, you know, when I got married 20 years ago, this is not where I intended on being. You know, I had the American dream. By this time in my life, I was supposed to have everything I wanted, have it all paid for. Me and my wife traveling, the kids are wonderful, everything's great. You're right. Let's be real. I'm working more now at 46 than I was at 16. Y'all with me? But here's the thing. We keep looking forward going, well, one of these days, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. One of these days, I'm going to be dead. That's what I'm going to be. And so looking at Abraham, you know, Abraham, he's awesome. He knew God. He knew that God was good, that God was great, that God's eternal, that God's faithful. And God offers this to him. And Abraham's like, you know what? I think I'm going to go with God. I'm going to let Lot chase after the world and what the world has to offer. And I know that, you know, that that's what the majority of people do. And that I'm going to be a weirdo. And people are going to look at me like that. And they're going to look at our family like we're strange. But but like Joshua said in Josh 24, 15, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We'll take what God's got coming. And if you want to chase after the world, you 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 take what it's got coming. Okay? And I hope it works out for you. But it's probably not going to. But But here's the thing that I want you to think about. When you look at Abram, look over in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us a whole lot about why Abraham and his wife did what they did and why they lived how they lived. And it's all based upon what your desire and what your belief is, what your faith is, what what you want out of life. When you look in chapter 11 in verse um, 8, Hebrews chapter 11, like I say, this is not a polished message. I'm just giving you some stuff to feed yourself on. Verse 8 says, by faith, y'all there? Okay, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Underline that if you have a pen on your Bible, as an inheritance. And think about this, an inheritance is not something that you work to attain. It's something that somebody else has worked and attained for you that you receive upon their death. It's those things that you and your family fight and divide over. Okay? Let's be real. Let's be real this morning, alright? So, as a Christian, we all have an inheritance. Not by what you work to attain. There's so many people here today, they're so focused. I've been a part of, of, of burying Christian families. Christian families that it, it turns into a nightmare. It ain't about people. We ain't about family. We're not about love. We're about stuff. What is mine? 
Families totally, I hear people say families change. No, they don't change. They reveal what's really inside. When somebody dies, it's not about, I love my family and I don't care what you do with the stuff because it's going to rot anyhow and I don't need it. i got my own stuff and I'll take what God has for me. I don't need an inheritance, okay? You know, if my mom and dad leave an inheritance, whatever, I'm more concerned with them. I'm more concerned to make sure my family stays as a unit and we're focused on that. As far as the stuff, burn it. I don't need it. You know, honestly, if you want to know the truth, I got one thing I want. If my daddy passes away before the Lord comes back, I want his hammer. That's all I want. He's had it his whole life. You know, we were always told as kids, you better put my hammer up. <laughs> I know that's weird to you, but it's just a sentimental thing to me. It's not about the hammer. It's about, it's, I just, that's what's something I want. It has no value whatsoever. Everything else, I don't care what you do with it. I'll fight you over that. Oh, no, no, I won't. If somebody else wants it, I, it don't matter. I love my, my mom and daddy, and, and I want the memories. That's what I want. And so, but but you have an inheritance which is spiritual. Just as this is God's inheritance for Abraham, God has an inheritance for you. He says he went out not knowing where he would go. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise. All believers, this is the promise. You're holding the promises of God. We dwell, we live, we walk in, we believe by faith this land of promise that's in my hand. Okay, God's word is the promises. He dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, that was his kids, his sons, uh, and heirs with him of the same promise. Now notice what his heart's desire was. His heart's desire was never the physical land or just having a son, which was Isaac. He said, for he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You say, I thought Abraham wanted a son. He did. That was part of it. But you remember later on, God said, I want you to sacrifice your son. Take him up, put him on an altar, strap him down and run a knife through him and sacrifice him. And if you know the story, we read it as we go through Genesis, but he did that. Spiritually, he sacrificed. He raised a knife and was fixing to kill Isaac because God commanded him to. And the Lord said, wait, hold up. You know, and he stopped him and he gave a lamb in the stead or in the place of Isaac, which represents Christ dying in our place. So, so he wasn't about, well, I want a son. He was about, him and, him and his wife both understood the seed, the promise was not just the promise of a seed, a son of Isaac, but Abraham believed the gospel, okay? He knew that God was promising through you, I will bring a king. I will bring a savior and, and, and his seed will cover the face of the earth. And so Abraham understood because him and God talked theology and he understood what God had promised. And so what caused Abram to look away from Sodom and go, I don't want what the world has to offer. I'm going to go with God and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to get what he has to offer. He's like, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for a city whose builder makers God, a place where I have eternal life, a place in the presence of God, a place of peace and goodness and and all the different things that God has for me. I don't want the, the chaos of this world and the temporary life that it offers in the place of what God's offering. It goes on down, says in verse 11, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead was born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude innumerable as the sandwich is by the seashore above all we can ask or imagine. Now look at this, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. You say, wait a second, what does that mean? 
promises aren't fulfilled yet. Abraham hasn't seen this come to pass yet. He's still waiting. He's watching. He's in glory, okay? And so it says, but notice their, their heart towards God. But having seen them afar off, that's what faith does. Lot saw the world. He saw here and now what I can have to please me at this point. Whereas Abram looked to God and he looked at his eternal promises and he had seen them afar off and he said, this is what I want to live for. This is what I want to gear my life toward. This is what I want to lead my family to. Because this is, this is good and God is faithful. And if God's promised it, he's going to do it. And so he's seen it afar off. See if this is a picture of your life. He's seen it afar off and assured of them. Well, how can we be sure? I'm pretty sure when a man comes back from the grave and he's made you a promise, you can be pretty sure. The resurrection of Jesus has absolutely assured us of the promises that he's made is good for us. And that he's going to accomplish those things. If he defeated death and hell, there's nothing left to fight. He's already won the victory. And what he's promised me is absolutely mine. And I see that. I see that and I go, that's what I want in my life. That's what I want to gear my life towards. That's what I want. And I know some of you skeptics and all this junk you listen to, it amazes me how we listen to all the negative things. If you'll get into God's word and go, you know, how do we know he was raised? I can prove 99.9% beyond any shadow of doubt in any courtroom in the United States of America, including the Supreme Court, that Jesus rose from the dead. Beyond any shadow of a doubt. And so that's a fact. It's not a religion where you just believe that. It's, it is an absolute 100% fact that I'll challenge anybody with. My faith is not rooted in a hope, a think, a wonder. A bunch of guys got together and wrote a story. My faith is rooted in a historical, scientific, logical fact that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, died on the cross for the sins of the world, was buried, and on the third day walked out as King of the universe. King of kings and Lord of lords, the one and only Savior. And that's a fact. Please challenge me on that. And he says that they assured them what happened. They embraced them. Does your life embrace what the Bible teaches? Does Does your life embrace the promises of God? Notice what it says here. He embraced them, he conf- and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. How many of you confess that? This ain't my home. It's not where I belong. It's not my place. And be careful how you answer that. What does your life say? I mean, we was running away to church this morning. <laughs> we got right down here in this pasture, there's a mallard. One lone duck, he was walking through the field, and I thought, that's what we should feel like as believers. The duck's like, I don't belong here. He's looking for water. As believers, you know, we might be here, but I'm looking for water. Like, this ain't what I was made for. Some of us want to just build a nest and go, you know what, I heard about water once. And I hope that one day I find some water. You know what he was doing? He was just walking. He was headed for some water somewhere. And I'm thinking, that, that's what it means to walk with Jesus. You know, this is not where, I'm a stranger here. This is not what I was created for. This is not what I'm about. I'm about a promise and a fact that, that he's got something greater for me. And we need to get into God's Word and let the Bible teach you what heaven is rather than listen to what Hollywood tells you what heaven is or whatever little strange thoughts that you're coming up with. Because we should be heavenly minded. So heavenly minded. We're walking towards you. You know what? I know it's dry now, but sooner or later I'm going to find that pond. I'm going to find the ocean. And I'm going to be swimming. When that duck finds a pond, he's going to be like, this is what I was made for. Some of you don't understand that one day when you suck for your last breath, you're going you're gonna to wake up and you go, this is what I was made for. 
This is, this is me. This is where I should be. This is who I should be with. Man. Let me get to, let me get to my main point. Notice what it says. It says, they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. That's why he lived in a tent. You know why people build castles? Because this is their world. Why people give their life 70, 80 hours a week for everything they can get here? Because they're not strangers and pilgrims. This is what it's all about. Don't that hurt? I'm talking to me, all right? Some of y'all need to wake up this morning. Verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they came out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now, notice what it says, they desire a better. That is, a heavenly country. Therefore, notice what I want to touch on this. Underline this right here, this last part. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. I ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think of this. How many of you this week thought about heaven? How many of you thought about heaven? How many of you, will, when, as you're going through your day, you're like, man, I, heaven's going to be so good. It's going to be so awesome. I can't wait. You're like, well, you got to die. Duh. whoop de doo All right? I'm, I'm not worried about that. That's already taken care of. You know what death is? Like me walking through that door right there. Here, some people got the idea of heaven, you know, I don't know. I asked the men one night in class. So what do you think is going to be like when you, when you die? What do you, th- what do you think is going to happen? You know, we, we watched, oh, there's going to be a tunnel and you're going to see a light long ways off in the distance. Going to go through the stars and the planets looking for Jesus and that kind of thinking, what? You realize that when you look at the scripture, the book of Revelation, Chapter 4, chapter 5 talks about a vision that John had of heaven. He said, and behold, I saw a door open up into heaven. And <clears throat> when you get into chapter 5, it says that there was basically thousand times ten thousand, an innumerable number of angels. And, and, and you see the picture of the saints gathered around the throne and they're just they're ecstatic. They're not doing this. That you're talking about people who it's finally registered. God, heaven, not supposed to be here, but I am. Woo! You know what I'm saying? And they're losing their mind, okay? They're not floating in clouds. Hey, do I know you in this foggy mist? I hear people all the time, we, we know each other. If I don't know you and you don't know me, what, how are we going to fellowship? If I don't know why I'm there, how am I going to worship? I'm going to know everything in perfect knowledge. I'm going to know everybody there, why you're there, who got you there, how I got there. I'm going to have memory of my past good things, and I'm going to have a great ecstatical hope and a future of eternity because it was given to me, purchased by the blood of Jesus out of love for a wicked sinner. Heaven is not, I'm going to die and see some mist. Heaven is going to be like this. It's another dimension in which when you take your last breath, wow, this is, this is way different than in here. I don't know about you other than the heat. <laughs> but for me, I go, this is not where I belong. When I walk out here and go, whoa, we got this idea that, well, in the world, heaven's this little spot, and it's a, you know, it's a measured out area where we're all going to stand together and worship. Don't bump one another, you might fall off into space. 
When you walk, that's like going, this is all there is, people. This is what I live for, this wonderful building. Do you see the lights? So bright, the air conditioning is so nice. Isn't the stage wonderful? And God's word's like, what about out there? How many of you want to stay here? None of you do. Y'all don't hardly stay till I'm finished. <laughs> but how many of you want to go, oh no. When the rest of us, when this long message is finally over, what are we going to do? I'm going to little Mexico, and we're going to walk out and go, all right, this is live. This is, this is amazing. Look at this. Some of you are going to go, oh no, no. I can't, I don't, I can't even conceive that. I can't imagine it. And so therefore, I'm just going to stay here. You know what we're going to do? We're going to make the carpet nicer and we're going to, we're going to put the chairs in a circle and make a king size bed out of them. And really, this is what it's about. So what, and some of us, some of the, when the Bible says that you have a cloud of witnesses that's gone before you and they're telling you, this is what the Bible says, this is what heaven's like. It's amazing. You have an inheritance there that's going to be incredible. You're in the presence of God with no sin, perfect. Everything is incredibly awesome. Peace, love is going to be amazing. Life like you've never experienced before in this wretched life no matter how good you've got it and all of a sudden they're sending us going this is this is amazing Jesus like it's awesome you have no idea what I've got created for you I've got a home a house land skies animals birds trees people peace no wars no click on the TV and another car bomb none of that stuff and yet, what are we doing? Let's just hold, let's just, I can't see it. I can't I can't imagine it. Quit trying to put God here because he won't fit. He won't fit here. He's way beyond that. And we just got a small, small glimpse. You know what worship should be? It should be a small glimpse of heaven. You know why people don't want to, don't want to go to heaven? Let's be real. You know why the modern day American goes, oh, heaven, you know, I hope I end up there because the opposite is not good. But it's not something I think about. Let's have, let's see a show of hands. Let's just be honest. How many of you spent five minutes thinking about heaven this week? About five, ten. We'll give you, we'll give fifteen people out of whatever we got in here. Okay. How can you live for what you don't have in your heart? I'm not saying you're not saved, but if all you think about is the world, then you're going to live for the world. You know what Abraham was looking for? A city whose builder and maker is God. A heavenly country. That's what caused him to take his eyes off of this world. That's why he was like, I'm good with the tent. I'm good with what, whatever God gives me. I'm good with that. I have peace. I have contentment. I have a living hope. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not worried about death. I'm not scared of it. You know, if I get sick, if I go through troubles, if I get trials, whatever, because this is temporary anyhow. I'm looking for something that God has greater for me. It's not something I'm trying to be good enough to get there. I was born for this. I want you to look real quick. First Peter chapter three. This man, I could preach this for three hours. It's so good, but I know what'll happen if I do. Y'all be in little Mexico. While you're turning your Bible and I'm speaking of little Mexico, have you ever wondered? Have <laughs> you ever wondered why most of the crowd is totally off subject? Have you ever wondered why most of the crowd that's at Little Mexico just came from church, right? Most of them are there just come to church. How many of you have ever heard conversation about Jesus? Not about church, but about Jesus at Little Mexico. You don't hear it a whole lot. Any rest, pick your restaurant. I'm not promoting Little Mexico, it's just so good. It's a little sliver of heaven. But anyhow. Isn't it amazing how, how we all about Jesus, worship, yay, God, blah, 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 let's hear the Bible, let's go to little Mexico, Pfft, shut it off. Shut this whole Jesus thing off. Why do we do that? I don't know, answer for yourself. Looking in First Peter, that's a different message, First Peter chapter 1, 
Notice how he starts off to the pilgrims. To the pilgrims. I think God's trying to make a point here. To the pilgrims of the dispersion of Pontius, Galatius, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Verse 3 is where I want you to see. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to their church attendance, their good morals, and all the stuff they tried to do. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, who according to his, his abundant mercy has what? begotten us you know what begotten means that means we're born of the will of god in the book of john chapter one it says that you're born not of the will of man but of the will of god that's why jesus said you must be born again because you see here's the thing if you're comfortable in this world and you're like i this that the whole heaven stuff is strange to me this whole bible thing is strange to me you know blah 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 it's because your spirit is dead the Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You see, here's what happened. You were born a sinner, and because of that sin nature, you have no, your spirit is dead. You're not connected to God because your sin has slain you, every single one of us. You had no hope in your sin, okay? You just live out what you are. And by the mercy of God, Along the way, if you hadn't heard it, you will today. I'm almost done. By the mercy of God, God looked at us as a sinner and went, I love them and I'm gonna, I'm gonna save them. I'm gonna bring them to life, not as a servant, not as a church member, but as a son and a daughter. I want them to be a part of my family so they can have an inheritance, an heir and joint heir with my son. So they can have eternal life and live forever in my glory and to experience my goodness day in and day out. Day in, forever and ever and ever. So that they can avoid the condemnation that sin has brought onto them because they listen to the liar. Okay? And by his mercy, he sent his son who died on Calvary's cross to pay the penalty for my sin, rose from the dead and sent his spirit to wrestle with the sinner's heart so that when we hear the gospel of the Lord, I want to give you life. And at the moment that anybody in here has humbled yourself and you've believed that, I believe God, I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus is my savior. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin and I'm asking you to be my Lord. At that moment, not because of what you do or by your will, but by God's choice, his spirit enters into your spirit and raises you to life. You are begotten, born of God. Little baby, okay? And you grow. But your spirit man has been raised to life because of what God has done, okay? Notice what it says, he's begotten us what? To a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For what? To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Think about this. I'm going to quit right here. I missed the best part and we'll cover it tonight. But think about this. In heaven, and part of that inheritance, there's a whole lot to the inheritance thing. Part of that inheritance is just the fact we're with Jesus. That's the best part, okay? And I inherit eternal life. And I hear all of the things that God has for me, which is going to blow you away because Kenneth was showing me some pictures of Colorado. And I'm like, man, God spoke that into existence for us. What has he created for us in heaven? And if you can go to Colorado and go, yeah, whatever, I just want to look at my phone. You're probably lost, okay? No, I mean, yeah. 
you know what I'm saying. But, but think about this. In heaven, get this picture. Right now, while you are warring and fighting and struggling and, and doing everything you can do to attain some of them things that you want so bad that your life is driven by, that you desire, that you think, once I get it, I'm gonna, that's gonna be it, it's gonna bring me ultimate happiness and life and experience, you're doing all those things, you have an inheritance that God's like, I died to give you this. Let's not make it a box. Let's go. God's like, man. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. Your name is on it. Think about that. Let your mind wander. What could God possibly have for me? Five million acres covered with elk, trout, deer. You You know, oh, that's crazy. Is it? Is it that what he gave me to start with? Wouldn't that be awesome? And how many of you like Lot living for the world and we die and go to heaven? I'm like, hey, I would invite you over, but I don't have time because I'm fixing to get on my 2000 side by side and I'm going to drive 50 hours across my place and look at my elk. But I'm sorry you're living in a trailer house on a half an acre because you just kicked it away. Like, that wouldn't be heaven. Oh yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah, make no mistake. Make no mistake. Because here's one thing that bothered me in this whole thing. When you look at that last part of Hebrews where it says that they for basically they forsook this world. It's like, I'm, I'm a stranger pilgrim. I don't want what this world has to offer. It says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be their God. And he has a city made for them. Here's my question for you. Are you living in such a way? That God is ashamed to be your God? I thought about that a lot this week and I thought, I wonder if God brought up your name in the presence of hell and all its demons and Satan. Remember how he said, if you consider my servant Job, he wasn't ashamed to call Job his, his people. I wonder if he said, have you considered my servant Randall? I wonder if hell would just bust out laughing at that. And God would be like, man, you get that boy in order. I don't want God to be ashamed. To be my God. Remember what Jesus said? If you're ashamed of me in this adulterous generation, I will be ashamed of you when I come in the glory of my Father and all of his angels. I thought, Lord, I I don't want to live for this world. There's many times in my life I've been through seasons where I'm fighting and grasping and doing, working and trying to attain and warring and dividing and all those things that every one of us do. Just to end up with a bunch of junk that I didn't need to start with that's bringing me more headache. And I look at my life as I get older and go, man, what's the point of that? Oh, I know, you're going to be weird and go against the culture and everybody's going to look at you and blah, 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 blah. But as for me, I'll go, I, I want, I'll take what God has. I want to, I'm going to renovate my life and we're going to make some serious changes in our life. My wife's on board and I'm like, whoever wants to come along, come along. But I'm really sick of what this world has to give. And I'm like, Lord, I, I want to be the type of believer that when I stand before you, you're not like, I don't want to be an embarrassment to Jesus. I don't want to be the average American Christian who sits in here on a Sunday waiting for the long-winded preacher to get out so that we can go out and live just like Sodom. I'm going to finish with this. So you said that five minutes ago. Well, i got five more minutes, okay? <clears throat> Think about this as you look at Lot's life. And his wife, she she got smoked. But anyhow, as you look at Lot's life, 
There's a part there. We'll get to that. Lord help us. That's why I have notes. We need to where the Lord sent two angels to look at Sodom. He was fixing to bring about judgment. He sent two angels. And here's Lot. He's sitting in the gates. That was a place where the leadership of the city. He's sitting there as a leader of Sodom. He's sitting in the gates and he looks up and he recognizes. He knows these two angels are two angels. When they're coming, they look like men, but he recognizes them. You know what he does? He doesn't go out and go, oh, I'm so, it's awesome to have y'all here. I want you to be here. He went out and he was like, what are y'all doing here? Y'all need to go. Don't come here. This is a wicked city. What are you thinking? I mean, you're angels. You're holy. You've been in the presence of God. You need to go. How many of us have a home like that? How many of us have a house like that? And finally, they were like, we're coming in. He's like, well, then stay at my house. But in the morning, at daylight, you're out of here. You got to go. Don't we do that? Oh, Lord, you're welcome here in this place, in this sanctuary. We're here in your presence, oh, holy God. But what about on Monday? What if God shows up? Is it the same way? You look at Abram. Abram was like, it's awesome. The Lord came to see him. He's like, it's awesome. Every year I want to cook you some supper, you know. But with you and I, would, would we be like, Lord, you've got to go. I don't want you coming in my house. I don't want you looking in here. I don't want you to see what's going on because this is not good. It, I'm thinking if the Lord can't be there, how, why am I comfortable with it? Why am I there? Why am I living in such a way that the Lord's like, really, this is... How many of us would be embarrassed to take God where we go? Not just physically, but in our thoughts. You think God would be ashamed to go with you one week to work, to your home, to your hangouts, to your friends, to your phone, to your internet? Think God would be like, what do you think? I'm so ashamed. If you have that in your life, I think today is a good day to go, I don't want God to be ashamed of me. And if there's anything in my life that brings shame to the Lord, it's out of here. I'm fixing to get up out of Sodom. And I'm fixing to move towards, I'd rather live in a tent and walk with Jesus than live in a castle waiting for it to get smoked. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'm here to tell you 100% guarantee one day you're going to look at Him face to face. If you don't think about heaven... You're going to have your opportunity. You're going to look at the one who died on Calvary's cross because he loved you so much. He wanted to give you eternal life. If you reject that, you'll look at his eyes and you'll see the greatest loss you've ever had experienced ever. And you'll die and you'll go to hell because you chose to live for this world and to hang on to it with all you had. But if you let go of it, you'll turn to Jesus today. He'll save you. Give you life, put his spirit within you. You get just a little taste of heaven. You start living for that. Man, life gets good. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much, God, that, Lord, even when we were there at Sodom, we live for this wonderful American dream, Lord, that we live for. When we, when we forsake you and we walk out of here and we never let heaven cross our mind, God, because we're so wrapped up in this world that you are so good that you come looking for us. And you continue to call us and your desire is to show us mercy and to bless us and to, and to pour out your love and your grace and your peace and your goodness in our lives. Lord God, I pray that we quit letting Hollywood tell us who you are. 
Lord, that we would look at your word and we would be overwhelmed. That, that the resurrection would become such a permeating truth and reality in our life. God, that, that, that we can't help but want to know you more and more and more. I pray, Lord, you would wake us. Lord, wake us from this deadness that we are surrounded by, God, and, and get us out of this nightmare, <laughs> Lord. That's what, that's what it is, God. The things most of us live for is an absolute nightmare. God, I just pray you'd have mercy on us and, uh, Lord, that you would save people today, that you would set captives free today. God, you would change our whole thought process and our lives in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. See the King of Glory coming on the clouds with fire. The roller sings, the roller sings. I see His love and mercy washing over all our sins the people sing the people sing Hosanna 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 in the highest Hosanna I see a generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith, with selfless faith. 